Yo, 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 what's up? I hope everyone had a very, very enjoyable holiday weekend. We're back at it. This is, or was supposed to be the wrap up show for Notre Dame's convincing 45 to 14 win over the Stanford Cardinal. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the full season. Uh, we'll talk about players that should be MVP for both sides of the ball and the chances of Notre Dame making it into the college football playoff. But news broke this evening. I believe it was on the Paul Feinbaum show. Pete Sampson of The Athletic and other athletic writers, the LSU uh, writer for The Athletic, broke the news that Brian Kelly is the main target for LSU for their job opening once Lincoln Riley said no and decided to take the USC job and leave Oklahoma. So it's a lot to talk about. A lot. To a, lot. Get into. a lot. Hey, of course, I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. And that dude over there, the original lucky lefty himself, is Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. And uh, before we get, because I have some strong comments. And my comments are not so much about Brian Kelly and LSU in the rumors. My my comments are really about what I've been seeing and hearing from Notre Dame fans in response to the rumors. Yeah. They kind of make yeah. me feel uneasy. But let's start with the game on Saturday night, 45-14. Defense, once again, doing a masterful job. You know, they gave up 14 points. Uh, one was late in the fourth quarter. Urisich, the tight end for uh, Stanford, you know, we're going to have to deal with him next year. That that youngster, is he's keeping the tradition of Stanford tight ends going. He's That's gonna right. Be pretty good. But we knew on both sides of the ball along the front that Notre Dame would be able to dominate. They definitely did that with the defensive line. Offensive line, you would have liked, I think Kyron was at like 3.8 yards per carry. You would have liked to see the offensive line establish more push along the offensive line and push Stanford around a little bit more. But the secondary, they couldn't cover our guys. They couldn't cover our wide receivers, our running backs, out the backfield, and definitely not Michael Mayer as a tight end. And uh, George Tackett even got a uh, touchdown. That's right. Receiving. So I think Tommy Reese recognized that early, said to himself, I'm not going to keep banging my head against the wall. We're going to go ahead and attack these guys, jump on them early, and then unleash the pass rush. The most amazing thing that I thought that stood out about that game was Jack Cohn and his performance. Of course, we know they baited him into that interception, which led to that first seven points of the game. But other than that, Jack Cohn really, since the Virginia Tech game, has been a steadying force for that offense and for this team. And you start to see the fruit of why they brought him to Notre Dame in what most would call a transition transition year and having unknowns after the departure of Ian Book. He definitely has been the driving captain to guide the ship into the deck or into the dock. Real solid. You know, he, he's got veteran oceanography experience. He's got some captain in him. He's been able to maneuver through some tides and some waters through his years in college football. And he was the right man to be able to Guided through the, the late season part of the, the, the experience that you kind of need a mature, uh, older veteran 
a guy that's been able to go through a full season because a lot of that is not talked about. And a lot of these young guys haven't been through a full 12-game schedule, you know. So uh, finishing strong is a huge thing that they uh, have to see from other guys on the team. And having it at the quarterback position has proven to benefit us and and keep us getting stronger as the season going on. You know, we, we haven't tailed off. If anything, we've been dominating. They must have been watching the Lucky Lefty podcast, playing it on the big screen at the team meal on Monday and telling them, hey, listen, dominating is what we need to do. And they came out there and did it the last two weeks, and we put everything in on the table of what we can show this season, and we kind of got to let the chips fall where they may. And moving on from that, you know, one of the things we have to establish is Marcus Freeman and this defense, what they did in dominating the second half. You can talk about the schedule being soft and the teams they faced really were really weren't a big threat offensively, especially once Brendan Armstrong was injured in that Virginia game. But with all of that being said, when you are an overwhelming favorite and you overwhelmingly have more talent than the team, you know, you should go and show that. And they lined up and they dominated the team they should have dominated. And you can look at the North Carolina games where there was a lot of missed tackles, fundamentals that allowed North Carolina to possibly put up more points. But at the same thing, you look back at North Carolina, that's when they really started to get on a roll as a team. Yeah, that's right. Start to catch up around that time. Yeah. So Sam Howell, the last four or five weeks has been amazing. If he had done that early in the season, yo, he might have lived up to the Heisman hype. So Marcus Freeman, the job he did with that defense stood out. Once again, we talked about this. I thought that Stanford, because of Elijah Higgins and his size, would try Cam. Hart, because Cam has been bored, right? Teams really haven't tried him in the last two or three games, and they tried him. He jammed him on a nice back shoulder that they attempted. He jammed him right at the line of scrimmage, broke the rhythm of that play, and he was upset because he felt like he should have picked it off. The linebackers were flying around. We did have one or two bad fits by J.D. Bertrand in a couple of plays that allowed him to get 10-yard runs, but nothing over that. So the tackling right. in the secondary was really good. And once again, you see guys like Xavier Watts playing safety. And uh, you, and the, the other youngsters, Ramon Henderson, showing that he can play safety and showing the range that he has, which makes you feel good about that position once Kyle Ham- Hamilton does graduate. You just have a lot to be excited about as Notre Dame fans on the defensive side of the ball. Isaiah Foskey and Kyron Williams, like we have to be real, might be the last time we see them in Notre Dame uniforms. Especially after this news, yeah, especially after this news. You know, Kyron, as, as the beating he's taking, and he's always getting little nicks here and there. Teams are always looking for running backs, second, third round, getting value. Isaiah Foskey, double-digit sacks. Very talented, probably could come back and become even better and hop into the back end of the first round, maybe the middle of the first round. But this is a very deep year with edge rushers in the draft. Very deep. So it's a lot for him to go up against if he would go out and lead because he didn't come into this season with that fanfare. So I don't know 
he would jump over the guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Ajabo, uh, the kid, uh, Thibodeau. Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. And there's some guys, uh, the kid, Leo, down at Texas A&M. Some guys that just came in the season with a lot of fanfare that lived up to that that I think would be in front of him. So if he's comfortable possibly being the seventh or eighth guy taken as an edge rusher, ended up in the third round. But if he wants to be first round type, he has the potential. And more than likely, it would probably be best for him to come back to get to that level. Yeah, 100%. I think it's an interesting position to be in when, you know, hearing that your coach may be leaving. I think he saw himself as a prime first rounder coming back the next year. It was kind of set up for him. I think he proved that he should be on that big conversation, that big stage conversation. And he's a, been a proven a key piece to our defense in all situations. I do think it's kind of crazy that, uh, you know, that's a tough decision to make because damned if you do, damned if you don't. With a hot season like this, not having the the media backing as much as you would the next year, the media can do a lot to boost your draft status. So it can make it hard not to want to uh, know what to do, you know, necessarily. But I, we would love to have them back, especially with the schedule that we have and we kick off with, especially playing Ohio State. It wasn't the first game, I think, or something like that. Yeah. I think that's some pressure that, in that first game alone, he can go in and establish himself as a first-round guy. Well, that's something that stuck out to me. Also, what do you think about the offense and the explosive plays? You know, we knew Lorenzo, because of the injury to Avery Davis, would go inside. And I said this because they ran a lot of the dangerous – what made Lorenzo so dangerous – is that it gave Notre Dame two options yeah. to take the top off the off the defense with him and Brady. With him and Brady. Now you put him inside, and he's more crossing routes, option routes, and he hasn't gotten to the point where he's a very good route runner. He'll he'll get there, but he hasn't gotten to the level of Avery Davis, who has that experience. So with all of that being said, it's like man. I want to see if he's going to be used inside. Let's graduate him to some seam routes, some post routes, and some things to really use his speed. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're using him to clear out, using his speed to clear out, that only opens everything else up for guys underneath, dig routes, and other options. Yeah, that's right. And, the, and to put him in a position where you have to be such a technician early, he's still a raw athlete that just wants to run past people. I think this is an early challenge for him, but it's something that I think he can accept and move, especially being a replacement for Avery Davis. And it just can do well and wonders for guys, especially Tyler Buckner, down those seams in the middle, making things happen. Okay, bro, breaking news, man, breaking news. Help. LSU, uh, an announcement more than likely will come tomorrow. And uh, I was saving this. I'm glad we're on now because I was actually saving this. Uh, my guy over Bryce, Brian Driscoll over Irish Breakdown wrote a great article. We had a conversation early on today. I had connections down in the South, alumni from LSU, that told me that there was smoke, serious smoke behind this LSU Brian Kelly situation. We can just go ahead and let loose now. 
I was told that Brian Kelly had been talking to Woodward, who is the, the athletic director at LSU, weeks ago. This is not something. These talks did not just start over the weekend. These conversations started weeks ago. It was basically down to him and Lincoln Riley. That's what it was down to. Brian Kelly and Woodward, the athletic director at LSU, shared the same agents. Jim Sexton and Trace Armstrong, they shared the same agents. So conversations were taking place back door. So once the Lincoln Riley chess move was made, everybody knew this was coming. Everybody involved knew this was coming. So Notre Dame fans, don't. this is my thing, don't react like Oklahoma fans. You're not the scoring lover. You're not the scoring lover. Yeah, Your yeah. roster is good. Your recruits the next two years are good. The next guy that comes in or your next head coach, if they are a coach that can get you to that next level, you're talking about winning championships. Now, I know everybody's upset. I know everybody's upset. You feel like the jilted lover. and We can jump into it, and then I'll let you roll, Malik, because I know you have notes on this. You have experience with this. This is not the first time Brian Kelly has flirted. No. Right? No. So I'm going to say he was supposed to leave to go to the NFL a couple years ago. Right, to the so, NFL. That was 2012. Then around 2016, he had another one, right? right. Yep. Notre Dame re-ups him, extends him out to 2024. And this is what I told Brian Driscoll when Brian Driscoll was like, I don't understand he would be stupid to go to LSU. I said, you have to understand this. If I'm Jim Sexton and I'm his agent, I'm telling him, this is not about whether or not Notre Dame is the better school. No. This is this is not what it's about. It's my job to secure you the bag. The bag. And we have leveraged Notre Dame from a money standpoint as much as we can. There's, there's nothing else you can you just have to do my job. Absolutely. The only thing that can get you more money at Notre Dame is a national championship. That's it. That's the only thing that can get you more money. And Jim Sexton is looking at Brian Kelly and saying, yo, I got 12 to 14 million waiting for you right now. Right now. LSU is in shambles. If you get LSU back to 10 wins in two years and rebuild it, not win a championship, just get it back to that place in two years. I'll go get you some more money. Some more. Some more. Pump it up to 16. Yeah. Right? Maybe maybe if if you do it in two, if you do two years back to back playoffs or something. Exactly. That's 20. Exactly. Now you're up to 16. If you win a national championship, yeah. In year four or five, now you're up to 18 to 20. And We're saving this money. is the key. This is the key. And I, I blew his mind with this. Brian Kelly had to ask himself, and we talked about this off air. Brian Kelly had to ask himself, can I win a national championship with Tyler Buckner or Dante Moore? That's what it comes down to. Either I can win a, a national championship with Tyler Buckner or I can get Dante Moore. I know I can get him. I know I can get him at LSU. Right? Because my contract is up. My clock says I have to win a national championship by 2024. Otherwise, there's no money, no more money to be made here. No more money to be made. It's dried up. None. It's dried up. Right? Or in three years, I can get LSU back to the point of competing. Being good. Being good. I'm not on the national title clock, and I'm making bank. That's an easy choice. Easy choice. It was shocked when I said if I was Brian Kelly, I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And it's not about 
Notre Dame being prestigious, being a better program, being a better job as a head coach, looking at the landscape of college football and the way expansion is about to take place, he doesn't have to beat Nick Saban to get into no. the playoffs. No. We've seen how the committee elevates the SEC over everybody else. All he has to do is be the all he has to do is be the second best team in the SEC or the third best team with the 12 team expansion coming down the road, and he'll be in the playoffs. This is a wonderful move by his agents, Trace Armstrong and Jim Sexton, leveraging the situation. They didn't leverage Notre Dame, they leveraged LSU. That's right. They leveraged LSU because they knew this is what's going to happen. This is what they're located in Los Angeles. They know people at USC. They knew who USC really wanted. They knew that. So they knew once that domino fell, guess who will be next in line? Their guy, Brian Kelly. They've been setting this up for weeks. As I said before, I have sources down in Baton Rouge that told me specifically they have been talking at backdoor with Brian Kelly for weeks. For weeks. This is not something that just popped up overnight. So when they have the press conference and Brian Kelly says they contacted me on Sunday night, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. CAA, same agent as Woodward. You guys were talking back door, talking about the situation in LSU. You have to do. They lost out on Mel Tucker. Lost out. And, and they end up with Brian Kelly. All you, have, you can just only tip your cap. That's all you can do is tip your cap. That's all you can do is tip your cap because they got their guy. They got their guy. And Coach Kelly got the best resume to fill in that. I'll call BK with, with BK on this one. Yeah. Meaning bad crazy with the crazy being the K. BK did a BK just like he does every time. Yeah. And you can't blame him. He's the most business of any coach out there. He knows what it's like to be able to keep the heat off of him and still be looking for the real bad. And he found it in a perfect situation where it's almost written to happen. You can't blame him. And he knew, he knew that it would be way harder to win this championship 10 years in when the money would dry up, that it was too hard. He knew he couldn't do it with Tyler. That's yeah. if he knew he could do it with Tyler. Tyler would have been in there the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. Uh-huh. So that tells you what he thinks about Tyler. Then he said, I, I don't feel like locking in this. I feel like I could I can do best doing what I do best. Yep. Buying time, making you good enough, and steady raking enough bags because I'm BK that goes BK. Bag crazy. Yo, this is this is crazy. We just wanted to talk about the rumor, and now everything is being confirmed. We're gonna get to your questions and comments right now, man. We're gonna go. Go ahead and call the audible right here. We spend a different Lucky Lucky podcast. Sean Davis, Malik Zaire. Um, yeah, let's get to some of these comments, man. Oh man, we know we know what Brian Kelly's famous for, man. You know he he's he knows where the money is at, and he's not afraid to press the button. No emotions attached to it. He already told you that it wasn't enough. Yeah, be the winning this coach at Notre Dame. He said, I did everything I could basically because he said, winning the championship is all that matters. And look, I fought the hard fight, I gave it all I got, but it's time to retire in a nice crib. You know, he likes nice stuff. 
Man, D Rock mm -hmm. Irish says I'm all over the boards at Richard Malfi. I was listening on the Oklahoma podcast. Shout out to RJ Young because he's having a connection today. <laughs> Trying to keep Oklahoma fans together. Very interesting on speculation why Riley left more tour than money. Look, the move that Texas and Oklahoma made, they made without consulting Lincoln Riley. He wasn't in on a decision. Now, he's a coach. He's a coach. Yeah, like what are you talking you about? You say, "Yo, you're an administrator." I mean, you're not. You're a coach. You're not an administrator. Yeah, you're gonna be. We're gonna be in this way long. But, but I'm not saying he has to be a part of the decision making. But there should have been a heads up. Why he was gonna do what he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. Come on, man. You have a meeting with all your coaches and say, "Look, this is the decision that we're true more than likely we're going to make." We're going to move conferences and we're doing it for these reasons. You don't have your coaches hearing it from the news. You, you don't do that. You don't do that. Man, that's because, no. because number one, you have to read the room. Number one, it's other jobs out there. Like you knew the USC job was going to be available. Yeah. You knew it was a possibility that another SEC job would be available. You have to read the room. You have to read the landscape. That irritated him. And yeah. I'm not saying he's right because he's a head coach, but I'm just saying he was irritated. Come in, you know, and he's in the same position as Brian Kelly. He had to ask himself, can I win a national championship at this school? That's right. Because really things had kind of leveled off for him. Early he, on, he had a lot of success. He's one of the few people in college football, maybe even history, that can see his whole career Hit a hit a peak. Yeah. Like he he lived out the most potential you can live out. He was able to do that unfazed and was able to walk away. Yeah, the Baker. He had yeah. the Baker squad that lost to Georgia in overtime yep. in the semifinals. He comes back, he loses with Kyler Murray to Alabama. Yep. And then he loses to Joe Burrow and LSU. So I mean He's been through that way. He's been to the college football playoffs three years, three times in four years. That's right. And then all of a sudden, it's not as easy and things level off. And you have to ask yourself, you have to be honest with yourself and say, yo, do I go to a new, do I reset the clock and go to a situation where I know I can rebuild? You know, and the Pac 12, let's be real, the Pac 12 isn't that difficult to dominate. No, and he knows that he's going to get the best quarterback in the country for the next two or three years. Easy. So he's like, all I need is the best quarterback, and we good. Because it's a quarterback league in the Pac-12. And the quarterback that was headed, the top quarterback that was headed to Oklahoma, immediately decommitted, right? Spencer Rattler jumps into the Immediately decommitted, yeah, immediately. He's gone, and you, you're out there in California. You're heavy into the, the uh, prep football out there. You know the, the lay of the land. Next year is a very, very good year in the state of California for high school football. Oh, 100%. There's a lot of top quarterback talents. You got Nico five minutes away, Malachi Nielsen. He's about 20 minutes away. And we actually play uh, Malachi next, next week. So maybe, you know, maybe he could be the Bryce Young of California to SEC that he could be the LSU. So I think – there's potential there, but then 
I think LSU is also just a very, very good place for Brian Kelly because LSU isn't known for quarterbacks either. Yeah. He don't have to be uh, expected to bring in a Lincoln Riley recruit. Like, but wait a minute. This is the key. The kid he was trying to flip, the quarterback he was trying to flip, is now going to follow him. Howard Walker is going to follow him to LSU. Howard Walker. I'm just saying. (laughs) He has a quarterback. That's going to be his first quarterback. He's talked to him, trying to flip him. He has a relationship with him, has a relationship with his father who played at LSU. So that's that's his first. He Man, he has a press conference tomorrow, and his first, signing, his first signing is like the next day. Yeah. Like Walker commits like the very next day. And he's looking at the situation. Irish fans, I understand, man. Look. This is not about whether or not Notre Dame is a better job than LSU. That's not what this is about. This is about money and reestablishing your ability to be able to leverage moving forward. Brian Kelly no longer had leverage at Notre Dame. Notre Dame wasn't giving him any more money. He said, "For what? No, you, 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 you do good, but that's just not good enough." Like we extended you and we gave you more money to get Marcus Freeman. Yeah, you can't come back to us. You can't leverage us. So at that point, the decision is real easy. We have to hear the numbers. If that man got $14 million without a national championship, I can't blame him. Because who else is doing that? Nobody. Dabo had to do it. Saban had to do it. $14 mil without a title? Ryan Day had to do it. But we knew, and we said this on the slant weeks ago, we said Mel Tucker had reset. The market. That's right. Once he got his deal, we're like, yo. Coach Kelly said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Right. I need three of them things up there. Right. And you see. Go ahead. How? How? I could just just roll out the the sheet. Yeah. The list is endless for my resume compared to Mel Tucker's. You know, y'all keeping Mel Tucker for all that cash? Oh, yeah. I need to leave. Yeah. He had no choice. He had no choice. We got I got Anthony Solomon. Everybody out there, we appreciate you chiming in. 100 million reasons to leave ND for LSU. Yeah. And it was too much pressure. Yeah. Too much pressure over there. He was like, whoa, it's, too, it's building up too much. Let me go ahead and scoot on out. In fact, this is a better leave than the Cincy move to Notre Dame. Oh, without question. It's a without better question. move because – Cincinnati, everybody thought he was gonna ride that thing out the whole season. He really, he really got he really got one up on that. He tricked us on that one. But this move, I think everybody, once they saw the, the dominoes fall, they said, okay, we understand if he gotta go. Yeah. We understand. How do you how do you I don't know? I think Notre Dame fans, if if we don't do anything this year, I think he was expected to be talked about on the hot seat anyway. So it was a damned um, if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, got, I got two workers says Kelly is leaving because Jack hired Freeman, not Kelly. Um, I, I I think I get the gist of what you're trying to say. Um, look. What Brian Kelly tried to bring, the list of people he tried to bring, once he lost Clark Lee, 
was were sub was subpar, period. Yeah. Right. Look at his old line choice. Subpar. You know, the people at Notre Dame felt like this program was at a point where it was national championship or bust, and rightfully so. You know, they said, yo, you know, we have to come better than that for this next defensive coordinator. And that's when Marcus Freeman came in. But don't get it twisted. Once Brian Kelly sat down with him and he talked to him, Brian Kelly was the one that went to bat and said, yo, I need more money to get this dude from LSU. Like, don't get it twisted. Brian Kelly is not like, oh, man, he was forced on me. No, that was a discussion. You fell in love with him once you talked to him. And you were the one that went back to administration and said, yo, I need more money. That's like, right. we need this guy. So, in a sense, I understand what you're saying initially, but no. Nah. He also says that uh, Kelly will fail miserably at LSU. I'm not going to say that. Brian Kelly's a good coach, man. Look, for all the things that I've had to say about how he's handled certain situations, putting him, making him the conductor of the petty train, and everything we've done, Brian Kelly's a good coach. Very good coach. I don't think he's elite level. He's not no. that. He's not. And, a, he's not even a Dabo. A, yeah. You know, Urban Meyer. He's and like you know, right through that. Like yeah. just, like just right. He's a Lincoln Riley. Him and Lincoln Riley are good in the same they're, category. They're pretty much in the same boat, right? Him and Ed Orgeron and yeah. all them boys, they in the same kind of – I put in Gus Malzahn in there. I think Coach Kelly and Gus Malzahn are very I similar. I think I would put him a little bit above Gus just for the longevity. And, and one thing, Brian Kelly and Notre Dame have used each other in this relationship. Yeah, 100%. What I mean by that is the brand stuck with him when everything was rocky early with his persona, how he related to people and how there were alumni that didn't like, particularly care for him, you know, his sideline demeanor, all of that, right? Then the national championship game 2012 kind of smoothed things over. Then you get to that four and eight season and things are falling apart in the program. You were part of that. You know what it was like inside that locker room, inside the program. You can testify to that. It was bad. Tough stuff. It was bad. And the brand stuck with him. The brand stuck with him and allowed him to right the ship and go on the run that eventually made him the winningest head coach in Notre Dame history. But they Notre Dame gave him so many chances that many schools wouldn't give Absolutely. any coach. I mean, Absolutely. the list of all the things that they we know and don't know, haven't heard of the – probably leaked stories to come, but he survived the storm, to yeah. say the least. He's been through the worst and the best of being on the closest to being fired and being on the highest of winning to being the winningest head coach. I don't think Notre Dame will have another stint with a coach like they did, Coach Kelly, because you really can't find anybody at this point that got the same kind of resume at, at, at most. Right. Paying Ryan Day a trillion dollars or something. Man, it's crazy. And and to think about everything we're saying, the thing that concerns me, and I'll point this out, and I'm glad we have a lot of Irish fans in here, man, because I really want you guys 
Give me the input based upon what I'm saying. You have to know how to let go. You have to know how to let go. Like when you have a relationship, man, you want things to go right. It's tumultuous. It's up and down. You have good times. And when they're good, they're good. And then you have some down times. But you can never feel like or never cheat yourself out of happiness, your mm -hmm. happiness, right? Notre Dame deserves to win a national championship, yo. Yeah. And they deserve a coach that believes at this point that they can get them over the hump. And if Brian Kelly isn't that dude, you got to let him go. I don't care how many games yeah. he's won. I don't yeah. care how many playoffs he's gotten us to. I don't have, care how much he's made it better. I don't care how much you look back at the Willinghams and the Weisses and the Davies and you say, oh, well, he's better than that. Yeah, but he's not what you want. No. He's not what you no. want. And no. he's telling you, he's showing you today that he's not the one that believes he can win a championship here. So yeah, he's got to be willing to let him go. He's not out of here. You, you've got to be willing to let him go and not be bitter about it and just understand, yo, it didn't work out. We didn't get the national championship. We were just as good to him as a brand and a fan base as he's been to us. It's it been a real healthy relationship. It was a, hey, yo, we both can like shake hands part ways and be like, yo, we good. You know, and maybe 30 years from now, we can be friends and we can bring you back to celebrate. Yeah, yeah celebrate the winning this. Yeah, heck, you do a tour or something. Yeah. Like LSU played Notre Dame at home yeah. or something, you know. So, but, but now it makes it real tough on us. Who are we going to find? Who are we finding? Let's get to that in a second. This is a dirty move, my guys. How are you going to take Rockets record and then bolt a lateral move? My God, my disdain for this man is unreal. Hey, are you kidding me? It's cool. Let it go. It's best, that was the best thing he could add to his resume this year. Yeah. Are you for real? He said, let me yeah. grab that top spot, and I, and I got everything I need. I don't need nothing else. I'm Notre Dame's all-time winning this coach. Give me the bag. Yeah, now what? Give me the bag. Now what? <laughs> that was, like, that was, that was, that's, a, that's a dub for him. He tried to downplay it so hard. You yeah. Know, it doesn't mean anything without that. It means a lot to you because you can go anywhere now. You got the, You took the key to the city. Yeah. I got the ultimate piece. You're going to have to pay me. Look at this. Look at this. I got this. You can't. Yeah. That's an easy big contract. We starting at 12 million. You know, so. Man. Anthony Solomon said uh, Kelly brought this program from ruins, but he has hit it. But he has hit the ceiling at Notre Dame. Totally agree. Totally agree. And Malik, you were on this earlier in the season. And I know on one of the slants that we had, you can go check out all our previous shows uh, that are got on YouTube channel. Follow us, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Check out all of our previous content. I know you discussed this on the slant one, one time when you were talking about Brian Kelly, what he's done, and expecting more. And as a fan base, not being afraid to ask for more from a coach that's done a lot. Yeah. Right. He's probably looking like, what else can I do for you guys? And we like yeah. nothing. And this is yeah. this is the perfect opportunity. Now we petition for a coach we feel like has the drive. Now, 
it has to be better than what we just had to make a a vertical move, not a lateral move. Yeah. But that's a slim pickings considering he's got that best winningest coach of Indy history. That's that's a hard thing to replace. So but, man, look. Is, but I do want to make a quick point. I don't think that it will affect recruiting. I don't think kids were leaning as heavy as they do on Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma. <laughs> right. I don't think that affect what happens so much with Notre Dame, which is good for the next head coach in terms of having a great roster. Now, this is the thing, though. Because I don't know how this would go, but more than likely, let's say everything goes right next week, right? Next weekend. Everything goes right. Let's say Michigan loses to Iowa. And then Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State loses to Baylor. Well, Georgia, Georgia bangs Alabama. Yeah. Notre Dame's in. Easy. Marcus Freeman has to be your interim coach for that playoff. Oh, coach Kelly leaving like before the play, uh, playoffs. Dude, I'm, if I'm dude, if I'm administration, I'm you're not lingering around waiting to see if we get into the playoffs. No, <laughs> no, you're not about to play me like that. No, no, come get your stuff. Matter of fact, we'll pack it for you. We'll put it to the left, like Beyonce said. You got to get up out of here. <laughs> you got to go. Like, but you're if doing you go Kelly, you don't go Kelly hopping on that plane, like, I Yo. got better weather out here, man. But yeah. I do think, but you said Marcus Freeman being the interim coach, is Notre Dame going to put a first year head coach for the playoffs? For the playoffs? Well, it could be him and Elston, right? It'll, it'll be a combo, Elston, but I think they'll edge it to Elston. Just Elston probably has more tenure, and you would probably want – you know what? In that, in wisdom, we just want Freeman to concentrate on the defense. That's it. We don't That's need it. to put no extra You're right. stuff. Bro. You're right. You're right. So it'll probably be Elston that they will lean to. He'd be the are, people, are the kids playing for Elston to, to win in the playoffs? Is that, yeah. the, is that the motivating factor? It's it's a it's terrible. Can we even get we we can't even get we have to hire in in hire, and right now, if Freeman, I want Freeman with Elston's experience. <laughs> That's cool. So the question you asked me, and I'm interested in seeing what Lucky Lefty Nation says. Who's next, right? So the Luke Fickle is going to be talked about. Marcus Freeman. We'll definitely get an interview. Uh, Mike Elston might get an interview. Uh, Bob Stoops has been mentioned, but now he's the interim coach for Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? So would you even want Bob Stoops? Uh, no. Bob Stoops would, would be a, a bigger linger than Coach Kelly. <laughs> boy, BBC says, pack your that's yeah, that's right, boy. That's, that's right, DBZ. Pack yo and get out of here. Yeah, or else you'll find it burning out by right. the grotto for out real. By the grotto, yeah, for real. Yeah, the grotto piece will get also get kind of hectic too. Yeah, um, I got Searcher Green Nine. He has some uh, guys he thinks will be on the list. Bob Stoops talked about him. John Harbaugh. I mean. Jeff Brom, 
He's a great offensive mind. He's done okay at Purdue. Matt Rule. Uh, I, think, I think Urban is the I think Urban is the best reach. Luke Fickle. Best reach. Urban don't want to be in Jacksonville, man. Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien. Oh, now if they go get Urban, yeah, that's that's a that's that's, a that's what deal. we do. That's what oh, we that's, deal. We win. We call win. him. He can man. He can leave right now. Leave right because he don't want to be in Jacksonville. No, he can pull a, big of a job. He can pull a Nick Saban, and he can give us the same results. He, he got the team ready. Man. Bill O'Brien. Stay away from Bill O'Brien. Hell Dude, they don't even want Bill O'Brien in Alabama. Yeah. Man, if you listen to the phone calls that the Alabama fans made after this weekend, out of here. they want no parts of Bill O'Brien. Dave Aranda. Uh, Dave Aranda reportedly said no to USC. That's the report. See, I don't know how much I believe that. Let me say that Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle coming here will be interesting because I would be interested in seeing if Marcus he Freeman would be, be open to working under him again or just bounce. He would, he would, that would be bad in house business. Yeah. Like, man, I wouldn't know. No. Yeah. I just got done with you. But Luke Fickle would be a cooler Pat Fitzgerald to know today. Now, see, this is what Urban, after what he just did. I'm, you're gonna have to explain to me to what he did. I need, I need specifics. I need specifics because if you're about to get in your pulpit, I need you to tell me what he did specifically. I hope he's not talking about the girl at the bar. He's gonna be plenty away from all of that. He's gonna be good. See, that's what we'll be chasing skirts around the grotto with two fingers out. Man, no, look, trust me, trust me. You, man, look. <laughs> Most of these college coaches are dirty, dude. Yeah, and was a plan. They plan to get him out of there. Dirty dude. Not right. too many Mark Ricks in the world. No, they got rid of Mark Rick. Was the Mark Rick don't got a job? So he don't have a job because he ain't winning games. He so ain't winning games. Should have been a little like, bit dirtier. <laughs> these fools don't care, man. They don't care about that. Okay. The biggest problem with Urban is his wife. He got to deal with that. Yeah, he his ain't, ain't nothing football related. They're football related, no. His wife and his kids. And he's not, I mean, Ed Orgeron just got the boot. We don't want no Ed. But he did the dumb dumb. He tried to holler at somebody, a big wig's wife, which is the, the goofiest thing you could ever do. You, you're not that powerful as the head coach, my man. The championship season so, was, too, was too special for him. Once again, you can't get caught being dirty and get hired at ND. Man, do you think ND is clean and hasn't had a dirty coach on campus? I'm gonna leave it at that. Come on, we got to get off our high horse, man. Yeah, we gotta get off. We got to get off. Our high doesn't horse. have a job for a reason. Now you know you brought up Urban. I wasn't even thinking about Urban Meyer. I promise you, I wasn't because I'm really cool with. If they decide to go, Marcus Freeman, right? Is Notre Dame being as traditional as that? You see how they're talking in the comments. Do you think they will be comfortable putting a first-year head coach in a potential playoff position? Hey, man. All I know is moving forward, Marcus Freeman has to be on your staff. That is, if you want to recruit. Yeah. 
If you want to recruit, if you want to save recruiting, he's got to be a, the top highest earner, if not head coach. And if he's going to be on your staff as a defensive coordinator, that means the guy that comes in has to be someone he respects. It has to be an elite head coach that he can respect and he wants to stay there and help lead the way because he is, without a doubt, the best recruiter on that staff right now. That's right. That's right. By by hands down. And this is the point. Search Green Nines like name one that was caught. That has nothing to do with it. We didn't have social media back then. Like I said, if you really want to go back in the day, there were no cameras during the Bob Davy era. Yeah. Lou Holtz era neither. No. And Lou Holtz. Like, come on, man. Let's keep it. Let's keep it all the way funky. There. <laughs> There was no so this dude got caught at his own restaurant on camera. That's the only reason he felt comfortable because it was his spot. It was his spot. His home. It's it his spot. That's why he felt comfortable. You know what I'm saying? So, no. And it's like, yeah, that's your point. But our point is, let's not get on the high horse like it has not happened. It has, and it continues to happen. So. I'm just telling you, man. I think that's why he went to the NFL because of that stench. And he's going to let the stench fade a little bit from the previous situation in Ohio State with the assistant coach. Yeah. And in two or three years or a year, maybe next year, he'll come back and people will forget. That's right. They always forget. They yeah. Got about at Ohio State. If Marcus Freeman goes to the playoffs and win that thing, he got to be there. And he says, Search Green Nine. See, this is the thing. It's not that indie. I don't care. I care. I'm yeah, realistic. I, I'm, I'm realistic about what really happens with the administration. Every administration, every administration covers up stuff. Every single administration in big time college football covers up stuff. Every single one. Everyone. And we I want to get off this topic, man, because this is. You know, it gets spun the wrong way. People think we're urban apologists. Eh, that's not, I'm just not about to get on my pulpit and point fingers and act like our program is so different than other programs because, okay, Protestant, Catholic, whatever the pro state school, big time football dictates that you protect the money and you protect the brand. And the only way you do that is by covering things up. And I think no that, I program think that, is exempt from that. No program has ever been exempt from that. I think a hire that'd be really good for Notre Dame is our guy Dan Mullen. What? When you talk about offense, you talking about as an OC? As a head, or you coach. About head coach. I think Dan Mullen's our guy. No, nah, bro. Like, I think Dan, I think Dan Mullen's our guy. The I reports I heard. About the stuff he was dealing with, he he needs a therapist right now. I'm I'm, I'm man. The reports that came out about some of the things he was dealing with and how terrible he was, because you can't be bad with people and public speaking, especially when you're representing Notre Dame. You can't. He had to deal with a different crowd out there. He had to deal with a different crowd. I'm just telling you, as bad as. The reports are about him as an ambassador for the program outside and then not wanting to recruit. 
and not being the best recruiter on the staff, like your head coach has to be the best recruiter on the staff or yeah. one of the best recruits on the staff. That's one of the things that really ailed Brian Kelly. Yeah, I mean, he's a great recruiter, man. He gets the right guys each and every time to, to be yeah. in that position. So, <sighs> Yeah, I don't know about that one. Dan Mullen is a coach. Yeah, I don't Mullen. know about the rock with that one, bro. Florida is a bad place to, to go in there and not go in there with um, an iron fist. You know, you got to – Urban is a, is, a, is a different type of guy, but Dan Mullen in the right environment would be good for us. I see – from a brand standpoint, it's not so much, well, we know. Notre Dame has tried to get Urban Meyer before. Yeah. Let's be real. So, wait a minute. After the Florida incident and everything that went on, Notre Dame still went after Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's so what I'm like, It's just like, dude, Notre Dame that doesn't care about going after coaches with a little dirt. They, they don't. They, they know their environment will give you the best chance to succeed. Yes. And if you're really good, we're going to have you back. <laughs> and once he left Ohio State, whether you want to believe it or not, he has connections to this program. Yeah, he does. There's always been back-channel talk between Notre Dame and Urban Meyer. Always. I mean, so, we, we forget, too, that Coach Kelly and going through the, the scandals that had happened during his tenure and how they were covered by the school and – dealt with the way they were dealt with. Coach Kelly wasn't the cleanest guy in the world. But no, because he's protected by the brand and he bought into the brand, he's the winningest coach at Notre Dame. You ain't even thinking about what what happened and could have. Yo, Brian Kelly survived a tragedy early on in his tenure that would have taken 80% of head coaches out. Easy. They would have. They would have finished the season. They wouldn't have finished the season. They wouldn't have finished the season, and the brand protected him. The brand protected him, yep. and for two seasons, Notre Dame was the the laughing stock. The laughing stock of the national media because of that. He survived that. And he survived it. Why? Because of the brand. Yeah. And the brand protected the money. He survived having open anger issues on national television. Who else is surviving that? Man. He talking about he went on a retreat in the offseason. When any other coach, you cussing their kids like that at Notre Dame and going crazy, they're not taking that. They're not taking that. Tyrone Willingham couldn't be acting like that in front of what? No. No. So if you, yeah, if you the right one, they'll they'll get you through. Absolutely, we're almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers and how we take care of our coaches if they like you. So once again, uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be the wrap up show. We were supposed to be talking about Notre Dame's forty five to fourteen win over Stanford, but yo, news broke in the middle of this, and uh, yeah, most people say uh, on that damn Mullen. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with our boy D Rock Irish. I I don't know about that one. Oh man! And, and you know, and Urban, I wouldn't put Urban on my list. I wouldn't. Really? That's me personally. What about a? I wouldn't put him on my list, but you brought his name up. What about an up and coming? I got Herm Edwards, man. You think we can steal him from ASU? Nah, I 
I'm not a Herm fan, man. He hasn't proven really? Nah. We're talking about elite. Now, he's proven that he can recruit. That's all we need. That's he what we need. Nah, you, you need a little bit more than recruit. Jaden Daniels is a difference maker to you at quarterback? Jaden Daniels is at ASU. This is Notre Dame. We can Herm going to get a, the quarterback we need at Notre Dame. Oh. Jamie McNeil said, where there's smoke, there's usually a fire, and we have plenty of smoke. All I can figure is that something suddenly went off the tracks at Notre Dame. The dominoes failed. That bag was, was limited at Notre Dame, and once that decision fell on that on that fateful day when Lincoln Riley said, I'm out of here, Coach Kelly been looking for ways to get up out of here. He Man, just wanted to buy time, buy time. That pressure is... That pressure is something else, right? right? He looks sad talking at the, the thing, talking about he the winning this head coach. Yo, he knew he had three seasons to win a championship, and he had to ask himself, do I have the quarterback? That's it. That's it. That's it. He had to look himself in the mirror and say, which, is, which falls directly on him. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't blame that on Marcus Freeman. You can't blame Tommy Rees. Can't blame Tommy Reese. Like, you haven't been able to get the quarterback or develop the quarterback. That's right. So, hey, defense is ready. Next two recruiting classes is going to have the roster talent ready. Do you have the quarterback? And that's, that's a big question. You know, that's another thing. You know, Herm has some things to clean up with compliance, you know, out of ASU, I don't think too he much. ain't doing nothing different than Bama. It's he just ASU. Man, it's know, like ASU. It's like that's an easy smack on the face. Like the NCAA picks out. and chooses who they want to go after. In NIL still a thing? How they even got investigated? The NIL so free. Well, all the things that happened prior uh, to, like man, basketball wise, Kofi Kerb Coburn. But Illinois sold one of his jerseys literally a week before the, the, the rule went into effect. Like, it was already established it was going to take effect, but it hadn't become official. He sold his jersey seven days before that, so they sat, they fined him, and made him sit out the first three games of the season. That's just dumb. Yeah, it's just dumb. Just dumb. I mean, just why? Just let it go. You know, but the NCAA having to be the NCAA. Uh, Carlos, I, man, I want to make sure I, I try to pronounce your name correctly. Carlos Garzatz. And uh, what's y'all opinion on Indy lowering its academic standards? Never happened. I don't think it will ever happen. You know, that academic thing is very serious. That's a huge part of the brand, man. That's that's what keep it that elite level. You can't, yeah. can't take that away. Yeah. We might as well join the conference. We do that. So once again, Brian Kelly reportedly has agreed or there's an agreement in place for him to become the next head coach at LSU. Um, somewhere in between 12 to 14 million. I do have a, actually, I have a call out to Pete Sampson of the athletic, who was one of the guys that broke the story. Uh, hopefully he can join us here uh, to talk about it because I, I want to get the background. But once again, just to reiterate, this has been going on, these backdoor discussions between Brian Kelly 
LSU agents, Brian Kelly and uh, Woodward, the athletic director down at LSU, that share the same agency, CAA, out of California, which is Jim Sexton and Trace Armstrong. So uh, Swarbrick's uh, press conference should be very interesting. And what I want Jack Swarbrick to come out and exude confidence yeah. and pretty much say, yo, thank you. The relationship was fruitful. We thank Brian Kelly for his years and his tenure here and everything he did for the university. But God damn it, we know the day. We know the day. We're going to win a national championship. That's what I want to see from Jack Swarbrick. And we ain't crying. We're not crying. We're not doing this Oklahoma thing. Because Oklahoma know they're going back in the yeah. dump. Oklahoma crying, fans sad. Uh, nope. We got two really good recruiting classes. We're going to hold that together. And we're going to get us a head coach and get us to the next level and win this national championship. Every We mutually, this is a very mutual separation, which is, is rare. Mm-hmm. But it, it almost, it's, it's, it's not even bittersweet. It's like, thanks, man. We'll see you next time. But now it's time to get serious. I agree. Thanks for holding it up. <laughs> now it's time to dunk it. Thanks for throwing up the alley-oop. Now it's time to dunk it. Yeah. That's it, man. It's really nothing. As, as Irish fans, man, you... No one wants to see a relationship that's been this fruitful come to an end. Yeah, it's been it's been too good for too long. We would start complaining about too long. old line that was was just regular. Yeah. Line, you know? It's like a, it's, it's it's like been uh it's been a five year engagement. Yep. Right. Like we dated from the time he got here. We dated to 2016. You know, we jumped right out. We jumped right in. 2016 was like a really bad year in the relationship, a crossroads. He cheated you know, on us. He cheated, he, he cheated on us. We could have broken up, yeah. but we decided to give it another chance, you know, and and birthed the playoff after that. Birthed the playoff after that. Undefeated. Got engaged. And like through the engagement, realized, like, you know what? Nah, the fight was not, harder than what it was worth. Yeah, and we just not meant to spend the rest of our lives together. And it's cool. And it's cool. It's cool. It's like, man, I'm glad you're in a good space. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't toxic. We was dating other people living in the same house. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this relationship, like bitter, hurt. It's like, man, Brian Kelly, that's what's up. We appreciate you. You're a top five Notre Dame head coach all time. You're on the top five list. You knew you would never be number one or two. You know, is he taking, you think he's taking Tommy? Uh, yeah, you think he's taking Tommy? Does Tommy Reese go with him? That's his. That's his son now. I would think so because the next head coach, unless they immediately name like Freeman the head coach, and Freeman's like, "Yo, you gotta stay," and Freeman says, "Yo, it's your show." You know what I mean? Because he's he's the OC, but it's really. Brian Kelly's offense. Straight up. You know, so if Tommy feels like it's his show, then I can see him staying at Notre Dame and growing and continuing to grow. Tommy might not, Tommy might want to end up in the NFL. I think that's where he want to really want to go. If that's where he really wants to go, he can do it from Notre Dame. You know, so I'm sure he'll ask. But I'm not sure. I know Marcus Freeman's not going with him. I know that for a fact. 
<laughs> I know Notre Dame called him immediately, like, hey, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. You're just, <laughs> you don't even worry about it. He could take Jeff Quinn, though. He could take he, Jeff he Quinn. Can, take Jeff Quinn. Take Dale Alexander. Take you. Keep Lance there, though. Yep. But no, but this is no different than what Notre Dame usually does. I mean, we had Matt LaFleur for one year. We had Den Brock for a couple years, Chuck Martin for a couple years. Chuck Martin. Stafford for a couple I mean, you know. How many had, had three OCs? Three OCs. Three OCs. OCs. For the Packers, it's 36 and five with the Packers. Like, you know. So coaches coming in out of Notre Dame is nothing new. That's Ooh. just what the tradition holds. You know, it's a hot, hot ticket. You do well, you keep going to the next stage. What they call Matt LaFleur? Matt LaFleur is an NFL guy. He ain't thinking about no college. I, I'm just saying. You thought you thought Dan Mullen was a bad as a representative. Matt LaFleur not trying to recruit? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to win football games and he got one of the greatest quarterbacks up there doing exactly what he talked about he was like man I'm not a recruiter I'm in the X's and O's in the office early we getting better you know yeah I got Anthony Solomon said would love for Harry Heastan to come back and stick it to Quinn and Kelly let me tell you something whoever the next O-line coach is he has talent he has talent like, you got a group yeah, he has a group. He has a group. So any competent O-line coach should be able to come in and and be cool. Absolutely. Man. Now, do you think that with this happening, it'll affect how we play in this moving forward? Do you think we'll play better? Um. I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it a thou while. And you, I'm sure you can back me up to an extent. You've been in a locker room where the vibe wasn't right. Okay. You've been in a locker room where the vibe wasn't right. Let's go back to because I don't know if you heard these comments, but I I admonish. This is where I start thinking. Something's off. Colin Cowherd had a who calls the game on Fox? Joe Clatt on last oh, week. Oh God, Joe Clatt is something else. And Joe Clatt talked about he had never met Brian Kelly face to face. And he was talking about how great of a job Brian Kelly has done in Notre Dame but he had never talked to him face-to-face. And he said when they did the Wisconsin game, he came up a day early to drive down to South Bend just to have a face-to-face. And he said he sat and he talked to Brian Kelly, and Brian Kelly told him, this isn't my national championship team. This isn't a national championship team. Now, this is your head coach. Like, three games in, like, this isn't a national championship team. He okay. been there so long. He like, man, I'm telling the truth. Uh, this is this is what it is, man. This I mean, is what man. it is. This is the national championship team, but we'll build. We're building to that. Yeah. And I'm like, in my back of my mind, I'm like, what the hell you been building to the last 
12 years. He knew he maxed out in 2015. That's my point. That's my point. It's like, okay. So, you know, Joe Clatt is talking about this, and Joe Clatt is speaking about it in a sense of, man, Notre Dame fans should be happy. And that's when I got irritated. Like, no, 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 no. Happy with what? I'm not happy with my coach coming into the season saying this isn't a national championship team. Hey, you should have that quarterback on the roster. That's on you. And you should have the next national championship quarterback sitting behind him. And but then the next he, one he be But you knew he should have been done in 2016. He had to make the most drastic uh, changes to a coaching staff and a program that, that I'm surprised they allowed him to even make. So he bought himself some extra time after that 2016 season to probably grab that win, winning his spot because he knew after that 15 season when we could have won and we lost to Ohio State and it became we couldn't win those big games against ranked teams. He knew after that it wasn't a, a huge – after 16, and especially yeah. being talented enough to do well in 16, he knew it was the ceiling that had been reached. Notre Dame being the perfect brand that they uh, that they are day in and day out, they protected. Yeah, they held on to him. They gave yeah. him a. They gave all right now. They gave him his last chance. Yeah. Gave him for more money. Gave him a ref a refresh of the whole staff. He fired all his friends, and he ended up living to his end of the deal. That so we really living on borrowed time anyway. But twelve years, my man. Yo, I don't know what else you can ask for from a school. <laughs> Yeah, we gave you 12 years, stuck with you through the ups and downs. Like, that's it. But the fact in year 12 that you're telling this dude, like, yo, this isn't a champion national championship team. That's honest. We it's honest for 12 years. It's it's honest, but it's an indictment on you. It's an indictment on you as the head coach. It's like, yo, why not? In year 12, why don't you have a difference maker at quarterback? In year 12, why are you now just getting a dude that recruits elite talent on the defensive side of the ball? What were the other two dudes, Clark Lee and Mike Elko, doing? Why weren't they recruiting guys like that? Like, this falls on you. Why has it taken 12 years to get to this point? It's like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? We good. We, we good. good. And we're not about to sit here and debate and be angry. We're good. You go your way, we'll go our way. Everything is straight. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think he's gonna get. I don't think he's gonna get killed in the SEC. I really don't. I really don't. He been doing it too long. He know the formula. Really he know really the formula don't. to be good enough. He knows how to finesse. Oh yeah. He you know you can do it anywhere. He knows how to finesse. I mean, the only give me five coaches in the SEC better than him. Maybe Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. Kirby. Kirby, yeah, Kirby. But Kirby hasn't won a championship just like him. Come up short in big games just like him. He got <laughs> Kirby wouldn't wouldn't tell Joe Clatt what Coach Kelly told Joe Clatt. Yeah, he's no, he's like, no, we got this one. Right. <laughs> this year, right here. Oh yeah, we snacking this one. Right, exactly. And Joe Clatt was just like, yo, I was just amazed that 
you know, how open and how real he was. And I'm like, no, nah, fam. Like, you can be real, but you got to read between that. Like, why are you in year 12, year 12 <coughs> and you're not ready? Because you got an early glimpse in 2012 what it was going to take and the level you had to get to. And here we are almost a decade later, and you still aren't there? Then what are we talking about? And, and Coach Kelly knew that more than anything. He knew that his leverage and time was coming to an end anyway. He's not going to no. be the one left standing in the cold, though. For sure. Young kid 2K, we need a coach that's going to win these big games. Absolutely. That that's that has to be the biggest requirement. But it's a small packet of coaches to even pick from to do that. Right. And I think that's why you threw Irvin's name out there because he just happens to be one of those coaches that can that can do that. That we everybody knows can do it. That's like the type it of expectation. Like it or love expectation. It. Who we who do we know for sure? And he's not he wouldn't be on my short list, but like it or love it. If you said his name, I would feel 100 percent confident that on that football field, he would get the job done. Everything else. I don't know. But on that football field, he would get the job done. Like you said, make Bob Stoops. Yo, he's dealing with Oklahoma's issues right now. Like, do you want to go get him? Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, who? The Grand Slam. This is why I said Matt LaFleur. It, because it, the, it would have to be somebody from the NFL. Yeah, that's a, that's the only way to go at this point. It would, it would have to be someone from the NFL. It's just like that's a grand slam. That's the closest you can get without getting those Hall of Fame coaches. Yeah. Unless Dabo, you know, Dabo is like, you know what, let's turn this thing around. Uh, I mean, Dabo can wait three years and be at Alabama. He basically is waiting for Saban to retire. Yeah, that's it. He trying to outweigh Saban. It. He's waiting for Saban to retire. He knows that's his gig. Yeah, easy. You know, so I think a, I think a Paul Chris at Wisconsin will be a, a, a great coach that's similar scheme-wise to what we're getting on the talent level. That's a really reliable coach that wins a lot. He may not be able to beat Ohio State, but he can beat some big teams with the right team. That's not the sexiest pick. Not the sexiest move, but hey, I'm telling you, I'm look, man. Let me tell you something. This is about to get real interesting this off season. Irish fans, man, put your seatbelts on because this, this, this. I'm telling you, if Notre Dame gets into this playoff. If everything goes the right way and Notre Dame gets into this, to this playoff and they have to face Michigan. Oh, we whooping Michigan. And Mike Elston and Mark Mike Elston beats Michigan. Man. Oh, man. Now, Mike have to win the championship, though. Bro, because this man told Joe Clatt, this team ain't it. He did tell him that. He said, this team ain't it. That's he what he just told Joe Clatt. Right, but if they get in and then get to the championship game, not look, you know me. I told everybody there are only two teams that I just felt like I wanted no part of 
I felt like Notre Dame could beat everybody and compete with everybody. No, it was three. It was three. It was Georgia, Alabama, and I had I had Ohio State. Uh, Alabama hasn't impressed me because when I see teams like LSU, Arkansas, and Auburn staying in the game, I say to myself, "Oh man, we can hold the offense down enough." Like real talk, like okay. Especially if 14 is playing. Yeah, especially if 14 playing. Especially if 14 is playing. So now it's amazing that you hear that. And now I'm just like, the only team I really don't want to mess with the Georgia. is Georgia. That's it. And Everybody that's else is fair game. Yeah. Everybody fair game. I know what Georgia's defensive front is would do to our offensive line. I I don't even need to see it. Kyron wouldn't look like Kyron. Kyron no, wouldn't be Kyron that game. No, that wouldn't be a good game for Jack Cone. And it wouldn't oh, be his fault. Oh, oh, and it just wouldn't be his fault. And I hope they wouldn't put Tyler in there because no. he running no. around and um Yeah, because you're not beating you're not beating those linebackers to the edge, my brother. You ain't beating the ends to the edge. No. <laughs> no, no. It's a totally different game. Yeah. So with everything, oh, this is something I want to ask you. Are you disappointed? And I'm, I, man, chime in, Lucky Lefty Nation. Um, watching what you saw, do you feel like there should have been more on Tyler's plate by the time he got to Stanford? Because I feel like when I'm watching Tyler Buckner, I feel like I'm watching the same package from like six weeks ago. But that's what we've, I've been telling you since day one. They're going to not develop him by throwing him in there on things that you're looking for a spark. You're not looking to actually create a game plan for him to be able to manage the situation. You're like, we're just going to blitz you out there. Don't think about nothing. Make these few plays with your feet, with your arm, maybe, and we'll see how it goes. It's no different than throwing in a receiver to run a decoy route. You know, right. you're not really getting you out there in the game, but you ain't getting the ball for real. He's not grasping, breaking down defenses, making a ton of reads. And it's easy to, if you don't, it's easy to not develop him if you can keep that same package as a surprise attack during a game, the change of pace. So that's why I'm. it's upsetting because he's probably feeling away because he thought he was going to ride into next season being semi-prepared and of the expectations. Yeah. Saying that, okay, I grew well enough. Well, it come to find out you leaving, so it don't matter about nothing about this waiting Back. to see me. And you Back. wasted the whole year of me not developing Back. just so you can leave. Facts. So now another recruit gonna come in here and we even. It ain't even no different between me and him at that point. And let's keep it funky. I mean, Tyler could jump into the transfer portal if he wanted to. Yeah, he sh- I mean, he should. I think he should. Man, look, Anthony Solomon. I saw an interview with Tyler. He said he knows the entire playbook. Yeah, we I believe he knows the entire playbook. It's about when he comes on the field, what does Tommy Reese relegate him to? Yeah. And, like, you're handcuffing the kid because people watch film and they know, okay, they're only going to run these 10 plays when he's in the game. That's it. And based upon the formation, that's why you saw Stanford jumping the pitch out of the shotgun when everybody else was getting beat by it previously. The slot guy was jumping it because he saw it out of the formation, and they blew it up. They blew it up when they ran it with Jack Cone. They blew it up when they ran it with Tyler. So, yeah, at that point, you would think Tommy Reeves would have a counter 
to what he's shown on film to teams to give Tyler a better opportunity to be successful at that point. It's like a gimmick way of getting the guys some playing time. It's that's all they've been doing. Buckets. Like, you know, put the kid in, let him yeah. let him run whatever. Put some day one install in there. Give him some stuff that he ran in the first practice of his life. Stuff that doesn't have high risk to it. Yeah. We just going to let him just get some, get his dirty jersey. Or, you know, his yeah. jersey dirty so he can feel like he played a part of it. D-Rock, our boy D-Rock Iris says, what about the former Boise Washington coach Chris Peterson or Kyle Willingham from Utah? Hey, man, Kyle Willingham from Utah, that's a solid coach. Very solid coach. Utah, in my opinion, has been one of the most consistent programs in the Pac-12. Yeah, like an Iowa. Yes, but, I mean, this is a big A. This is Notre Dame, man. Look, this is Notre Dame. I keep That's what makes you, the picking so small. Yeah, this is Notre Dame. This is a big step up, right, And expectations. Like, get a trip to the conference championship and, no, that's not cool. Like, you're at Utah, you go to the conference championship, that's a good season. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame, there is no conference championship game. There's no conference championship. Like, we got to go undefeated. We need to go undefeated to get into the playoffs. And maybe one loss with the expanded playoffs, one loss we're in. One loss, Yeah. There is no conference championship to look forward to. It's a totally different beast when you come to Notre Dame. It's not like – yeah, it's a totally different beast. And you have to be ready to recruit nationally and you have to be ready to play different styles of teams different styles of offense it's totally yeah. the coming to Notre Dame is totally different man it's not like being in the Big 12 where everybody pretty much throws the ball that's it or they being in the no Pac-12 defense. where everybody throws the ball like you'll go from facing Wisconsin who wants to pound it and then yeah. you'll mess around and face a Florida State that wants to throw it 30 40 times Yep. Then you'll see USC and North Carolina back-to-back with first-round wide receivers that can attack you. And draftable quarterbacks. And then the next week, you'll face Navy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the lineup. What a huge trap game that takes mental focus. Yes. That will Navy will be a challenge moving forward, especially the first beginning years, because the head coach got to get a feel for what an academy school is every year, you know? Yeah. Jeff Brom, I guess uh, I'll you the writer sports. Jeff Brom, look, Jeff Brom is a very good candidate. Jeff Brom would get an interview. Jeff Brom's very smart, man, and he's done a lot with less. Yeah, to do. That's true. And you see that he's that doesn't have a huge ego because he saw the defense wasn't working. He got rid of his entire staff, brought in a new staff from the NFL, and immediately their defense, and, I mean, he had a stud along the defensive line that helped as well. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have the players, but he saw he, he's a, he's capable of making changes that need to be made. Yeah. And he doesn't have an ego. You saw that. So that's a good thing. He would get an interview. I don't know if he would be on my final list, though. But he would definitely be. Just too early, just too early, just yeah. too early, just too early. But it just goes back to it's it's a 
perfect job for the right person. The right person is not just sitting out there. We got to really put our work in to figure out what we need and yeah. what we want out of a guy expectation-wise. It's not easy to just go get a national championship coach that's ready to win right now. Look, there's a lot of people in the chat saying this coach would take the job. That coach, 90% of the country would take the Notre Dame job. 100%. Not Look, man, I'll keep trying to tell Notre Dame fans, you got to know what you have. Like this brand is second to none. Second to none. Second to none. You got to be, you got to be a great media guy. You got to be a great politic type of guy. You got to kiss the babies. You got to kiss the babies. You got to shake their heads. You got to speak at all the fundraisers. You know, no name a little different. They got the fundraisers. You got to knob hob with the administration. Deal with the father. Yeah. You you deal with the grand and trend and, you know, getting people in school is a lot. It's a lot. And you got to go to bat. For guys that admit, you know, when admission says no, and you really need a kid, you got to go to bat with admissions. Like, yo, we really need this kid. And now you got to win every game. Yes. So it's a different beast, man. And like I said, the coaches you guys have put out there, Brom, Willingham, Chris Peterson, really good coaches. But, yo, this this ain't the Pac-12, man. It's going to get real for somebody. Yeah, that's why right now we're talking about hitting home runs, and you brought up Urban Meyer, and now we're talking about people from the NFL. That's that's real. That's what you're looking at. Yeah. That's what you're looking at because you need someone that's able to handle all of that. Yeah, well, Coach Kelly Levy, he really raised the standard. He did. We just can't get no whatever coach. You know, we got to really go get somebody important. Yeah, he brought the stand. He definitely raised the standard standard back to what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, he raised it back to what it was before, and we thought Charlie Weiss could do that. He did it for a couple of years, but he wasn't able to have the uh, in any relationship. You're gonna have some ups and downs because I remember when Nick Saban first got to Alabama, he lost some games. That was like, yo, how you lose to that team? Yeah, that's not we do around here, brother. <laughs> you know, but they stuck with him. You know, you're going to have to stick with the next head coach because it might not go well early on. You do, do know the next head coach has Ohio State out the box. Like, <laughs> people, don't, don't forget that. But maybe Coach Kelly didn't want that smoke. You can't start the season with a loss of Ohio State because your season almost over right there. But see, I look at it differently because I'm in my mind. Yes, C.J. Stroud is coming back, but he won't have those receivers. He won't have Chris Olave, and he won't have Garrett Wilson either. Mm-hmm. Now he'll have a jigba slip. Garrett Wilson is going first round. Yeah, that dude's a beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that dude, Chris Olave. Was kind of off Saturday. That cat Garrett Wilson came to play, and I love cats like him because he was man. He was he was letting that dude. He was letting Gray know 
He was letting him have it too. In the snow. He like, I'm killing you in the snow, my dude. No, it's cold. I can't even feel the ball. Right. I'm killing you. Killing. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's the type of football I like. This is a question for you from Joe Easton. Oh, that's a beautiful dog you have on your picture there, too. I know I'm late to the discussion, but for Malik, from a player's perspective, how do you react to your coach walking out on you? Do players have an ongoing suspicion the coach isn't going to be there? That's a good question. That's a darn good question. Uh, the first time it happened to me, I was super upset because I was like, dang, how you just going? We were just talking about, but, you know, that's just young, not understanding leverage and the business and how this is a – you know, these coaches just think about these these next moves, you know. So the first time it happens to you, it's a little shock because if you're young, you're like, man, I am I got all these years ahead of me with a guy that they recruit me. Right. Back then, it was way worse because you just couldn't leave. You know what I mean? Now you can leave. Spencer left just like the head coach. It's like they left at the same time. So yeah. for it to be so easy to leave now, it's, it don't make no difference. You know, you can if you don't like it, go. Oh man, I, I'm, I'm gonna say something, man. Some of these Notre Dame players might actually be cool. Some of them. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. Some of these Notre Dame players might actually be cool. Yeah, maybe. You know, and the coaches. That's not just the players. The coaches catch a vibe too. That's true. That's true. The coaches catch a vibe too. So I want to know who's going to jump ship with Coach Kelly because I know he won't leave the program with as much as Lincoln Riley's leaving the program with. Lincoln Riley then took the most important stuff in the bank. Man, that cat Lincoln Riley took administrators, coaches. <laughs> he he. He emptied out the vault on Oklahoma. Dude, it wasn't like him and his family hopped on the plane. Oh, that dude had a plane full. He said, me and the team are out. Let's go. We out. We're going we out. We going to nice weather. Y'all take me off, so I'm taking all my people with me. And it's, crazy. And it's crazy because they all went. Yes. He said, Marcus Freeman, come with me, man. Like, Let's, let's rock out of LSU. He's like, no, I'm good. No, bro. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I don't think Mike Elson would he leave either. Nah, even the play, even the players, he'd be like, "Hey, Tyler, man, LSU, what's up?" No, no, I'm good. So now, that just tells you what you think, you know. Could this influence Isaiah Foskey and Kyron Williams to do what? To bounce even more. Oh yeah, Kyron's done. Kyle's definitely done. Fourteen's like, oh, oh, you done? Kyle's definitely done. Kyle probably is looking for people to lease his apartment right now. He ain't thinking nothing about. He transitioning to what weather climate he want to train in right now. He, he's yeah. ship scale. Coach Kelly done spoiled the egg on him for that. Yeah, and I see I got Joe Easton. He says that. Uh, he thinks that uh, Elston and Reeves would go easily. No, that's Donnie Cruz. I'm sorry. Let me bring it up. Elston and Reeves go to LSU with Kelly easy. Elston is going to beast and recruiting the SEC. That's no. why you 
That's why you make Elston the coach right now. You know who they need to bring back? Who's the number one recruiter and will be a great head coach? It's Tony Alford out of Ohio State. He was the number one recruiter when he was at Notre Dame. He's the number one recruiter at Ohio State. Number one recruiter at Ohio State. And he wanted the head coaching job at Colorado State, and they didn't give it to him. If anybody know how to win, Coach Alfred would be a great position, and nobody's talking about that. That's an interesting. That's an Marcus interesting Freeman would say Marcus Freeman will respect him because they they've been in the state of Ohio. He know about Alfred. Notre Dame knows about Alfred. Alfred, oh, yeah. Alfred got all the players, credentials, championships. He been with Urban, been with Ryan Day, been with Mike. You know, he been around that. SD. That's our Airedale. She's a princess. Literally, that's her AKC name. And appreciates your comp compliments. Yeah, she's a beauty. She's a beauty. I appreciate you, Joe. Um, Notre Dame, first of all, you have to realize um, they can't vote until after the season, the assistant coaches, which makes what, what Lincoln Riley did was so gangster. Like, these coaches are under contract. Yeah. So <laughs> what he did is so gangster. It's like, yo, they ain't coming back. So y'all might as well release them from these contracts right now. You know what I mean? And OU, <laughs> OU did it. You know, Notre Dame wouldn't be like that. Notre Dame is like, yo, these are our coaches. They're under contract. So they're staying here. Not only for the bowl game, but they're going to finish up this recruiting cycle. And then we'll see what goes down. We'll see what goes down. We'll see what goes down after we hire that coach. Look, man, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow because we have to see what Jack Swarbrick has to say about this. That's what we're waiting on. That's, I'm, I'm waiting for a nice – I need Jack to come out there with his swag. Like, we straight. Nah, straight up. We straight. Because that would tell – that would tell if we're panicking for real or if we are ready for what comes next. Yep. Are we ready to take that step next or are we going to be in a, just like how um, the Dolphins have been bad because they haven't had Dan Marino since? <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. it's one of those things. If they go yeah. in their administration head up how we got this, I don't think we'll skip a beat. And that's saying a lot, even though Coach Kelly's been great, it's saying a lot. All right. That has been the wrap-up show slash breaking news that Brian Kelly is headed to LSU as their next head coach, according to reports, somewhere between 12 to 14 mil per year. Uh, that's what it's looking like. Press conference to be uh, tomorrow more than likely. Tony Alford will win a championship his first year. He'll have the Kirby Smart effect. That's crazy. Hey, it's been the Lucky Lefty Podcast. As always, subscribe. Go subscribe right now. Hit the share button. Hit the like button. Let everybody know to follow us. Lucky Lefty Podcast on YouTube. And hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. For my guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. I am Sean Davis. This has been the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll see you guys tomorrow.
start talk. We'll yeah. see if Notre Dame gets up to that number five spot in the rankings. Well, it's, it's even trickier now. I don't even know if I want to see it now up there. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. All right.